This is recording number 11012 from the Teaching Ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, October 7, 2012. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Redeeming the Time. Last week, I began a new series of teaching uh, called The Playlist, and I wouldn't uh, hold it against you if you don't remember that, (laughs) but uh, we did start a new series of teaching, and I have to apologize to you because I'm going to step away from it for this week, and that's because, uh, you know, I... I hate to put words in God's mouth, but uh, I think that the Lord told me uh, not to, not to, to uh, carry on with that. And I may have jumped the gun with it. I, I know the Lord wants us to deal with the Psalms, and I know that, that I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that this is something He wants us to do. But I think we need to insert what I'm going to do today because of the season that we're in. And I'll tell you a reason why I didn't, uh, you know, I wasn't... Um, real anxious to, to go here is uh, because it was two years ago that I deal, dealt with this subject in a little different way, but only two years ago. So, you know, I, I don't like to bore people and just revisit stuff that we've dealt with before, but I felt, I got to say, I mean, I, I struggled with this all week, and I just felt as though the Lord was pressing me, no, this is, this is something we need to deal with again. And so please uh, bear with me on that. We're going to be talking about um, the subject of Halloween, so to speak. Uh, it's really more than that, but, but we're going to start there as a launching pad because uh, our culture is going to be celebrating Halloween in uh, just a few weeks, and it, you can't escape it. The um, Halloween has become, I don't know if you've known, noticed this or not, but it, it's become the second most celebrated holiday in the United States after Christmas. It has surpassed Thanksgiving. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it, when you think about it, everywhere you go, there's stuff and people selling things and there's stores, those spirit stores and, and all of that stuff. And so, it, 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 you know, when you think about it, it makes sense. And the reason, I suppose, is that it's a kind of a secular holiday. You don't have to, you know, there's no religious uh, trappings associated with it. And so, I think it, it has a wider appeal than, than some others. Regardless... It's, it's something we got to, it's in front of us, okay? It's something we're going to have to deal with. Um, and I want to acknowledge that it has become, not for all, and, but for many Christians, kind of a dilemma. And so I'm not going today to promote any particular viewpoint. You know, there, there, there are, these are kind of the extreme ends of the spectrum with regard to Christians. One is you kind of just want to get as far away from Halloween as possible. It's evil, wicked, and you don't want anything to do with it, so let's just pretend it doesn't exist. On the other end of the spectrum are people who are just, oh, well, let's just Christianize, you know, Halloween. Let's have alternative, you know, Halloween celebrations and and so on. Um, I'm not going to advocate either of those extremes. What I want to do today is kind of give you a different perspective altogether. Some principles upon which I think, that come from the scripture, upon which I think you can make your uh, determination about how to deal with this 
uh, holiday that is going to be upon us in a matter of days. Um, so, everybody okay with that? Uh, okay, how about the rest of you? Because it's going to be, you know, 15, 20 minutes here. <laughs> okay. I want to talk to you about first the origins of the holiday, Halloween. And it's really hard to kind of uh, pin down with precise accuracy. It just really is. Uh, but I think these things that I'm going to say are, are pretty uh, universally accepted. That uh, Halloween, is, as we know it, began with uh, Celts, uh, an ethnic group that, that uh, lived in Central Europe and Western Europe, Germany, France, England, Scotland, Ireland, uh, hundreds of years before Jesus, long before the Roman Empire. And their New Year's Eve was October 31st. Their New Year's Day is November 1st. And so uh, that was a, a point of celebration. The, the Celts had a class, a priestly class called the Druids. And they incorporated aspects of the worship of a, of a god, Samhain, as part of the New Year's Eve celebration. And, you know, the Druids, um, I'm not going to go into all the stuff that, that they, uh, you know, were part of their religious uh, life, but some of it is pretty bad. Uh, and so there's a, a whole kind of set of, of um, darkness associated with this celebration of the Celtic New Year because Samhain was the god of the dead and so there's you can start to imagine how there's some connections here when the Roman Empire uh, you know took control of Europe um, and, and other parts of the world they began to try to uh, you know harmonize or or um, moderate some of the odd or, or um, you know, difficult, challenging aspects of the disparate cultures that they were trying to blend together. And um, so, as part of that te tendency or trend, um, they wanted to, to keep, they didn't want to destroy cultures per se, uh, but they wanted to sort of, you know, bring down the intensity of some of the, the more challenging aspects. So, when, when, uh, the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church began uh, to extend its influence over and within the Roman Empire. Uh, one of the things that often happened was that uh, Christian or, or, or Roman Catholic uh, holidays or celebrations were sort of blended with uh, those of the, of the cultures that had been captured by or, or assumed under the Roman Empire and that happens here so the Roman Catholic holiday of All Saints Day happens right around the same time as the Celtic New Year and so there was a blending of these things and and uh, you know all that mixed up together has uh, 
ended up being what we call Halloween. Now I know that doesn't answer your questions very well and it's not intended to. It's just to sort of give some background of where this stuff is rooted and if you want to do some more research you certainly can. But there you have the historic origins at least as much as I want to go into it this morning. I want to just briefly talk to you about the modern significance the modern significance, and let's just acknowledge this, is that it's a secular ho holiday. I already said that. It's a, it's a day that people can, you know, party and they don't have to worry about, you know, is this the birth of Christ? Is this about, the, you know, the resurrection of Jesus? Even Thanksgiving has, you know, it's all about thanking God for his blessings and so on. So if people who, so people who are not believers in God or, or who are not um, Christian in their background, it, it puts them on a level playing field in terms of celebrating the holiday. So, you know, it's a secular holiday. It's also a costume party and who, well, I guess I'm the one person in the world that doesn't like costume parties, but most <laughs> people do. I got a, a text this week from my daughter, picture of my grandson dressed up in his pirate outfit for, for, for Halloween. What's not to love about that? I mean, this guy is smiling ear to ear. They had to look everywhere. They, they traveled all over Northern California to find the one last remaining one of these outfits. It's some, some Disney character that he's just really excited about. And so, you know, people enjoy that costume party. It's also trick-or-treating. You know, I look, some of the best memories of my childhood have to do with trick-or-treating. <laughs> Me and my my uh, pillowcase, visiting the neighborhoods that I had staked out and knew exactly where the best people, you know, the people who offered the best candy were. And, you know, just being out at night with my friends. I mean, we never did anything uh, sinful or wicked or bad, but just being on the streets alone at <laughs> night was like big stuff for us. There's a lot of, I, I enjoy having the kids come to our house and I, you know, I pray over them when they, when they come and we give candy. I mean, I don't like lay hands on them and say, God bless you, you know. They would never come back. But I do, under my breath, I do pray for them and bless them as I, as I give candy out. I like that stuff. However, there is still this aspect of darkness and horror that is associated with Halloween. Like it or not, it's there. And I want to talk to you about the spiritual impact of that for just a minute, okay? First of all, there is a tendency within, the, about this aspect of Halloween that trivializes the occult. You know, demons with smiley faces, you know. Um, it, it's, but look, this, this is real. I've been a pastor for 30 years. I have um, more times than I can even count. Had to, to walk with people through seasons of their life where they were dealing with demonic bondage, with something of the satanic realm has gotten a grip on their life and they're not free to be the people God meant them to be. And they find themselves entrapped and enslaved in patterns of life that are devastating and destroying to them, to their families. That is not something to make fun of or make light of. And to have a holiday that is, at least in part, focused on making, oh well, it's not all that bad, you know. It's just fun. It's just, it's just, 
expression. It's just, you know, it's just one day a year. I have some trouble with that. The other thing that I have trouble with with this whole darkness, uh, horror aspect of the Halloween celebration is the accommodation of the spirit of fear. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, Paul the Apostle is addressing his protege, his son in the faith, Timothy. And he says to him, Tim, God has not given us the spirit of fear. And he's using the language of personhood. He's talking about something that is a person or a personality. He didn't say, Tim, God has not given us fear. He could have if it was just simply, he was just simply addressing an emotion. He said, God has not given us the spirit of fear. But of power, love, and a sound mind. And when we um, embrace even, I mean, first of all, I, I have to just say, I can't understand for the life of me why anybody would consider horror a form of entertainment. Now, I know that there's a whole genre of film and other kinds of, you know, entertainment experiences that are, that are about, about horror. But if any of you moms and dads have ever been awakened in the night by your screaming child, you know it's not something entertaining. And I can tell you as someone who all the way into my mid and late 20s was horribly bound by a spirit of fear. Just, you know, I was so afraid of the dark that I was terrified. I mean, terrified to be alone in a dark room. Now, I'm a pretty smart person. I have a pretty high intellect. And I don't say that as some sort of prideful statement or whatever. It just is what it is. So look. (laughs) So look, I know, I know there's no boogeyman in the closet. But that didn't change the fact that I was paralyzed with fear of the dark. I could not think my way out of that. There's a person behind that, a personality behind that, a demonic personality behind fear. And I think he loves the cover of, oh, it's just entertainment. It's just self-expression. It's just whatever. I thank God that, you know, because when, when I started to notice that same thing beginning to grip my kids that I I had to do something about it and I got serious with God and I said God I need for you to deliver me I cannot think my way out of this I need for you to deliver me and I sought him with desperation and the Lord met me and miraculously broke it and uh, you know I have I have zero issues with fear of the dark But this is a problem. This is a problem that we have to, to address because we live in a culture 
that is, uh, we can't hide from, that is going to be celebrating Halloween. Not this year, not only this year, but every year from as far as I know until we go meet Jesus. And we get to figure out where we stand in all of this stuff and how to address it because we have not been called to exit the culture. You hear me? As believers in Jesus, we have not been called to a monastic life to exit the culture, to have no influence or bearing on it, to hide out somewhere and let the storm pass. We have not been called to that. In fact, Jesus in Matthew chapter 28, we talked about this a few weeks ago, his parting words were, go into all of the world. And in Matthew 5, he said, let your light be shining. Don't let it be covered by a bowl, but on a lampstand where all can see. And that's why I asked you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5, and I want to begin reading it, verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk or live as children of light. Verse 11. And have no fellowship with, un, with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Now, I want to stop right there because um, when it says expose there, it's not, you know, it's not the, uh, in the idea of, you know, grabbing someone off the street dressed up as a, as a devil and say, hey, let me tell you something, buddy. I'm going to expose your sin right now, right here. That's not. It's going to tell us exactly what he means by exposing uh, the works of darkness. Verse 13, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. The exposing of darkness and its stratagems is not by me ranting and raving, not by me beating people over the head with a Bible, not by me getting all worked up into a frenzy. It's about simply letting the light of Jesus shine. Darkness flees when the lights come on. Verse 15, See then that you walk or live carefully, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. The word evil there means malignant, like a tumor, like a, like a cancerous tumor. The days that we live in are increasingly being eaten away by something malicious. But, he says, we can redeem the time. Redeem there, that word means to, to buy back or to, uh, to rescue from loss. And the word time, redeeming the time, that word time means, can mean season. I don't think it would be inappropriate at all to imagine this passage saying, buy back, rescue from loss, the harvest season. Redeeming the time. Because right now we've sort of given over there is a kind of a relinquishing of this season of the year to this, this other dark 
kind of stuff. Is it? Is that, isn't that true? I mean, you can't even go. I mean, we had trouble last year because we wanted to take the kids to a, from our church to a pumpkin patch. And we had to go and check them out and make sure that we weren't sending our kids into a place where there were, where there were depictions of witches and goblins and stuff. A pumpkin patch, right? So it's, it is everywhere, and we need to be, um, I think mindful of the fact that the Lord Jesus calls, calls us not only in this case, this is just a representative, a representation, a representative incident of something, of a much bigger story. That you and I are the light of the world, Jesus said, and we are to be as a city on a hill that cannot be hid. That that light exposes the works of darkness and causes them to flee. We don't have to, as I said, um, become odd or weird or strange or Bible thumping or just, I mean, God forbid that we, that we as moms and dads raise our kids in an environment where they, where they fear Halloween. All we need to do is let the light of Jesus, not, not re- retreat, but let the light of Jesus uh, be shining through us. I want to talk to you just briefly uh, before we're done here, about um, a couple more things having to do with that and kind of redeeming the time and a righteous response. Did you know that Israel had, God commanded Israel to have seven celebrations through the course of the year. And the three major ones were Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Anybody ever heard of those? Okay, just me, that's all right. <laughs> Those are the three major ones. And every, all three of them were, were at the end of a harvest season. Okay? They were celebrations tied, not, they weren't about, but they were tied to the harvest season. Passover, the barley harvest. Pentecost, the wheat harvest. Tabernacles, the fruit harvest. And I, I, you know, these commands of God to the people of Israel on their way from Egypt to the promised land, when he, he gave them these instructions about they were supposed to gather in Jerusalem in the place he would set up his, his, uh, his, the place of his worship. They were supposed to gather there and celebrate at these times of the year. He was, he was talking to people who, who already lived surrounded by Pagan cultures that celebrated harvest in, in horrific ways, including child sacrifice and all kinds of things, worship of false gods. You'd think that if God was going to say, okay, here, here's what I want you to do in terms of your national celebrations, let's pick some other times of the year. But he didn't. He chose those exact same seasons of the year, I believe, so that redemption could be had. A season could be bought back. A time could be redeemed. That instead of just carving off and letting go of a season of the year to all this idolatrous worship, God was saying, let's buy that back. Let me show you what what a harvest celebration is about. I think that 
God commanded them in, in this way in part to redeem the harvest season from pagan celebrations uh, of the surrounding godless culture. So let me ask you to consider the things that we've talked about today in light of your own life, in light of your own family's practices. I'm not going to try to dictate to you what you do or don't do. I'll just tell you this. My kids always went trick-or-treating. Um, you can stone me after if you want. It's, it's quite all right. Um, they knew, we, 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 we made clear that they understood that there were some things about this holiday that we did not agree with and, and why and all of those things. But there are other things that we didn't want to rob them of and so we, we found a way to let our light shine in the midst of whatever other darkness there was. And in, let's see, three weeks from now, our church will be celebrating something we call our harvest celebration on a Sunday morning. And, you know, it's not on the 31st of, of uh, October, but, you know, it's timed for, not as an alternative, but as a, a way to demonstrate that the people of God can feast the people of God can rejoice in the goodness of God that harvest season represents. Yeah. We're, not a, we're not going to give away to the enemy and to his uh, strategies the right for our children to enjoy being able to dress up in costumes. So, so here's what's going to happen. And, and you're, you're totally welcome to... As I said, stone me after or think whatever you want to do about it. It'll just be one Sunday. It'll be over with. You can come back afterwards. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to worship God that day. We're going to exalt him and thank him for his, uh, the fruitfulness of what he's doing among us and in our lives. And we aren't in an agrarian society. None of you are, are about to bring in the crop, right? <laughs> But God is bringing in a crop in my life and in, in many of yours. And that's worth celebrating. So we're going to. Part of what we're going to do is we're going to have our kids uh, come in costume, dress up. We're asking them no witches, goblins, you know, that kind of thing. But we're going to ask them to come or invite them to come and dress up. And then we're going to, that morning, all of us adults, we're going to bless our kids. We're going to let them parade around us while we uh, pray over them and speak blessing over their life, lives. And while we do, by the way, we're going to give them, we're, we're going to give them cavity material. You know, we're going to... <laughs> I just think that it's, it's a, you know, the connection of sweetness and the blessing of God ought to be something that's implanted in a, a child's mind. And that's one way, one way we can do it. And <clears throat> then we're going to have a barbecue and just hang out together, enjoy fellowship. And then I, I'm looking forward to so much being able to baptize many of you. Amen. Talk about a harvest. Yeah. We're going to celebrate the harvest of souls. So that's what we're going to do. I leave it up to you what you decide to do about your, like I said, your own personal 
uh, and your family's way of dealing with this, and you have my blessing and my support, whatever you do. If you want to go and, well, I'm not going to say it. Anyway, you have my blessing and my understanding, okay? But I felt like I needed to kind of give you my, my uh, perspective and what I think is something of a biblical perspective to throw into the mix of what you take to the Lord and, and allow him to speak to you about. Now I also needed to explain why we're doing what we're doing um, on the last Sunday of this month. All right? Now I'd like to have you stand with me. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, <laughs> I'm so grateful that you are bigger than all of this stuff. I thank you, Lord, that you're not in heaven wringing your hands. Oh, no, what am I going to do about Halloween? <laughs> God, I thank you that you are sovereign over all. I thank you you're not afraid, you're not troubled, you're, you're good. But we come to you, Lord, because we're kind of wrestling this out. Uh, we're trying to figure out how to deal with um, something that, you know, is, is going to be upon us in a few days that has some aspects to it that are very challenging in terms of our faith. So, Lord, I pray that you would, um, in your grace, your kindness, your love and mercy, that you would speak into our lives with your assurance, your, um, that, that, that sense of, of clarity, that you, and instruction and guidance, so that, Lord, we can obey you. That's the important thing. So we can obey you in terms of how we relate to this season. But then, Lord, I do want to pray about how we've chosen to deal with it um, in terms of exalting you as the Lord of the harvest. And I pray, Lord, that uh, the last Sunday of this month, when we gather here to worship you, to bless our kids, to rejoice in salvation, and the fruitfulness of what you're doing in our lives in our church, I pray that that would be a grand day of celebration when our light is uh, exposed. Lord, the light of your uh, grace at work in our lives would be shining like a beacon and that darkness would be dispelled, that it, there would be wide-ranging ramifications of that. And I pray, Lord, that our neighbors, that our friends that are uh, the people that we have been praying for in the circles of our lives influence that there would be something Lord of godliness we could expose them to instead of just forfeiting them to the plans our culture and adversary have for them I pray these things in the name of Jesus Amen